Hello, and welcome to 19 Hits the Dragon, the uh, tabletop discussion podcast of all things uh, tabletop RPG and uh, nerd culture in general. I'm your host, uh, Mike Daniel, and I'm joined uh, by a guest today here. We've got uh, Mike Ashmore uh, from, uh, I know I'm definitely going to mispronounce this, Mike, and I'm sorry, it's Tales of Asperia, Aspera? Close. Everybody gets it a little bit wrong. Um, even me sometimes. Uh, Tales of Asperon. Asperon. Okay. Yes. Gotcha. Cool. Uh, yeah. Thanks for for coming on to the the show today. Uh, always good to chat with another Mike. I think this is actually <laughs> a historic event. The first time we've had another Mike on the channel, which is surprising, honestly. I'm so. amazed. There's so many of us. <laughs> there are so many of us, especially out in the tabletop RPG uh, uh, creator space. So. We're, we're, we're breaking the ground here. We're setting a precedent. <laughs> I'm sure we'll have more, more mics on the show, <laughs> but Mike, thanks for, for coming on. No, thank um, you for why don't you me. tell? Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for, uh, for, for showing up today. And, and uh, yeah, why don't you tell me and uh, our listeners a little bit about yourself here and uh, kind of what you do? Well, hi everyone. Um, so I'm Mike Ashmore, the producer, um, DM and general editor for the show Tales of Asperon. We're a fifth edition um, D&D p- podcast um, that loosely uses D&D um, to tell this kind of collaborative story. Um, we have two campaigns on the same feed in the same campaign setting. Um, one is Small Town Adventure. The other is Wizard college dropouts who accidentally became pirates um <laughs> <laughs> love that premise by the way accidentally that, oh, became pi- pirates. thank you so much um yeah That's it was great. all all my players wanted to play wizards and i was like well this is an opportunity <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah you can find us on toapodcast.com and we're also on like twitter and a bunch of other socials that i'm sure we'll probably plug later <laughs> oh yeah absolutely and, and links in the show notes descriptions yeah. as well um, but yeah, again, thanks for, for coming on today. Um, and I know you have kind of pitched your show as like, uh, like an improv, uh, storytelling, uh, yes. podcast basically. So I, I guess I'm, I'm curious. So you guys all are, you're, you're, you and your cast all, uh, have a background with doing improv. Is that something that y'all are into or? Um, know? no, not at all. Um, <laughs> okay. I say, I, well, I say improv because a lot of the times, like when we're playing, I don't do as a DM, I don't do a ton of prep. And my players are wildly chaotic. So just about everything that happens is happening off the cuff. So it's improv. Um, Okay. Gotcha. I'm sure that's something a lot of our listeners can still relate to. Oh, (laughs) every time a player throws a wrench. (laughs) Um, But we do have our, our, our team has, um, we have some animators, we have some artists and just about all of us are kind of versed enough in like the craft of storytelling Mm -hmm. that we bring that kind of, you know, visual element to the table. Um, I know one of our main our main show has like uh, it's, we have three animators in one of those and then two in another one. <laughs> so wow, awesome! Yeah, a lot of creative talent. That's great. Yes, um, very yeah, creative and group. Absolutely, and and definitely the uh, the type of uh, creative talent that you want to be involved in in telling stories together. Um, it's very something that I, I say all of the time in our shows uh, or in, in these episodes is, you know, tabletop RPGs is very much a collaborative storytelling medium. Um, not even just podcasts, but just like sitting around the table playing games with your friends, right? Everybody's mm-hmm. going to be sort of involved in, in telling the story. Um, so yeah, today we're going to talk a little bit about you know, taking that a step further and really involving the players in the world building of your, your games. Um, so yeah, Mike, tell me a little bit about, I guess your, your take on that. What, what is, uh, sort of the, uh, the key element of, uh, you know, a, a player focused or player led world building experience. So I, the, in my, my experience, there's been two ways that you can kind of approach it, um, which mm-hmm. the irony, the panel I was just on this morning, um, for this convention, we were doing, um, a whole hour long conversation about world building and, different approaches of this came up but um you can have like the players invest invested as part of the building process before the campaign ever starts Mm -hmm. or my like the approach that i take is 
a lot of the little tiny things mm-hmm. um, that like some people would spend days, you know, making word docs of like, I know every shop and every shopkeep and I know who they're <laughs> friends with and what their right. motivations are. All of those, a lot of those little things, I'll just throw like I tend to throw it in my players laps on the spot mm-hmm. um, so that like they when it comes to the things that are immediately in front of them, the stuff that they interact with the most, um, right. they very clearly have ownership over that. So like it's it's kind of like this. I realized I enjoyed doing it when my players are always like, ah, that person who was just sweeping up the floor. I'm going to talk to them and I want to know their name. And then <laughs> yeah. I, instead of me, I used to panic and go through my notes and pretend to have it written mm-hmm. down. Um, and then eventually <laughs> as, it just got to a point. Are one to do. Yeah. Yes. Oh, my God. Like you like you, you move some paper off to the side. Mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe. Yeah. Let, let me check my notes real quick here. Fantasy name generator. Yes, exactly. <laughs> um, but yeah, so when when those moments would happen, I realized that they were having a lot of fun, like mm-hmm. trying to make me come up with something on the spot. So I just turned it on them. Um, and <laughs> like sometimes I'll introduce an NPC and be like, or I'll, I'll like they enter a shop that they've never been in before. I'll give right. a vague description that kind of sets the vibe. And the shop mm-hmm. wasn't made five minutes ago. Mm-hmm. Um. I'll give a description of the vibe. And then instead of me going through and giving all these details, I'll ask each player one interesting thing about the shop. And then all three of like, say if there's three players, you got three really cool tidbits that I would never would have thought of. So it becomes into their lap. And then they have, you know, again, ownership over this kind of space and it quickly becomes more fun for them. And they remember the place. Like they want to go back. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I think when when players are really uh, in, involved in the creative process, they become that much more invested in what they're creating, right? If, if you mm-hmm. were to say like, oh, this is, you know, Bob, uh, he's been a, a shopkeep here in the town for, you know, five, five, 10 years or whatever, and he's running this space, and you're the one kind of detailing all of these uh, these aspects of the store, then yeah, maybe they might find some things that are interesting, or they might focus in on one or di- one or two aspects there. But if they are, uh, they are the ones deciding what those things are, then that gives them, um, you know, some some agency and some investment in in those details. Um, and I think the uh, the NPC aspect of that as well is super crucial too. It's like this this is a person who is has relationships because they thought of them you know maybe one of the players knows this person or has been in this shop before and has some sort of relationship with them you know be it good or bad Mm -hmm. um that gives them the ownership of deciding what that relationship is so it means more to the players and gets them that much more involved yeah and it it kind of stems too from like you know like you said they they get attached to these things and Mm -hmm. one thing that always bothered me about starting out as a dm is that like i do you do all this world building all of this prep for the world and the story and i've mm-hmm. had a lot of players who are like i'm afraid to do this thing because i don't want to step on your toes and i'm like i don't i don't ever want you to be afraid to do anything in this right. this space and mm-hmm. it's not like I've, i'm always like it's not my world it's ours because everything mm-hmm. you do impacts it everything Absolutely. every action you take adds stuff to this place that i could have never you know, thought up. Yeah, 100%. I, I uh, say all the time that, you know, my players often are more creative than I am as as the DM. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I try to not let them know that because if they have too much power, then that gets, you know, gets out of their out of hand. <laughs> but um, <laughs> I but, have uh, a, I have a very funny story about that. So I'm our next yeah, arc of the show is I have decided to let loose on the reins because um. The players want, they were tired of being the heroes that saved the world. They're like, we just want to do roadside stuff. Like, hey, this guy lost his horses. Let's help him get his horses. Now it's a weird quest. Hmm. Um, So the next arc of the show is going to be just a bunch of these little vignettes. And I made a world, uh, I made a Google Doc and I just titled it Absolute Chaos. And I wrote, (laughs) I wrote in two sentences, I just said, write whatever plot hooks you want. Don't tell me why or how. Just a mm. sentence. It is now five pages long and it's filled with nonsense. <laughs> but oh my God, it is. There are so many nice little story things in there. And mm. it only ha- it, it's only happening because I was like, 
guys, you can probably come up with better stuff than I can. And if you're writing mm -hmm. it down, that means you probably would love to do it. So yeah, just <laughs> dig in. I mean, at one of them, it was like, why is every, why, why are all of our houses suddenly filled with eggs? <laughs> and that's it. And that, that's what the, all right. <laughs> it's like, all right, now we have a weird thing. Let's, let's roll with yeah. this. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. I, I, uh, now that you've said that, I'm definitely going to do that for my, my Eberron game. We're, we're currently in the, in the Mornland right now, which is a highly chaotic, uh, place, uh, full of like weird magic stuff. So Ooh. absolutely house full of eggs could, could happen. <laughs> um, so yeah, I might have them just list some weird shit that they would find in the Mornland, and then we'll we'll explore that. Um, I think also kind of uh, feeding off of that is just sort of paying attention to what the players focus on and let them kind of fill in the details for mm -hmm. those things. Or you know, if they they want to do some roadside stuff, and you're describing you know what's going or it's like side quest or whatever. You sort of describe the uh, the town that they're in, maybe uh, a couple of people that look like they might be in need of help, and you know maybe just throwing some ideas out there. And okay, whatever they focus in on, or maybe they make a suggestion like, oh, this guy, uh, his his cart is off to the side, but I want to see if there's maybe something in that cart that like shouldn't be there. I, as a DM, like, no, I wasn't planning there to be any, uh, you know, um, illicit substances in the cart. But now that the player thinks that maybe there are, yeah, you bet your ass there is some, yep. there's something hidden yep. in the cart. Like, <laughs> it's like the moment they get an inkling of a suspicion of something that they're like excited about, you're like, yes, and even yeah, if it absolutely. wasn't there before, absolutely, because you're excited yeah. and I want you to be excited. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, and I, I really like what you said earlier as well as the, um, you know, you don't ever want your players to be afraid of creating something within the space or bringing an idea to the table. So making that, um, making the table a, an open space or a, a safe space for them to bring those ideas forward is, is super crucial. Mm -hmm. um, so I guess, can you tell me a little bit about like maybe some conversations that you had with the players or how you went about setting things up as you're you know, getting ready to, to build up the uh, the world for your, for your podcast and, and, and so forth. Um, what were those those conversations like to kind of encourage that uh, that collaborative world building? So the, the, the setting that I have kind of crafted, it's just to give a tiny bit of like TLDR background. Mm -hmm. um, I was fascinated with the idea of what a planet would look like if it had rings around it. So like, what would the sky look like all the time? Um, yeah. And then I just kind of dug into that and set up this kind of basic, you know, the structure of how everything was made. And I started to run home games in it. And I realized after a certain point, I was doing world building and doing world building and then prepping and prepping and prepping. And then my players mm -hmm. would throw a wrench into it. And all that stuff I just prepped is gone. Like mm -hmm. I'd spend it a, a exponentially, you know, uneven amount of time doing prep only to have it thrown out by, you know, the fun stuff the fun they were having at the table. Some, so after a bit, um, especially when we started getting into the podcast, like the actual play, when we started kind of putting that together, um, I just said, like, I want this to be a space that we all have ownership over. Um, it's not, it's I, pretty straightforward. I came to it saying that, you know, it's not my story. It's not my world. It's ours. So if you want to do something funny or, make make a fun assumption about something as long as it's not like you know problematic or insensitive to somebody who might be listening i will usually yes and you and we can just roll with it and see where it goes uh roll with it <laughs> puns but, <Ew. laughs> but, Dice um, games. <laughs> but yeah that's that was kind of the conversation and i will say in like in a play setting when we were in the midst of a game, there was still that instinctive reflex of like too afraid to do anything. So in the beginning, there was, if this is something, you know, any of your listeners are, would like to do with their games, um, mm -hmm. having the conversation is great, but in the session, you're probably going to have to do some hand holding to kind of guide them into a place. And there's, it's a fragile way to do it too, because there's a, there's a lot of trust that has to be had. Like if you're mm -hmm. doing this with, I mean, a lot of DMs have the concept of, you know, there's a problem player who is always mm -hmm. trying to, you know, min-max and just be the star. 
we're right. playing a game this way with that kind of player can be very volatile if you're not ready for it. Oh, so for sure. like the, 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 the kind of trust you have to have at the table and establish with your players that like, no one is going to try and take the fun away from somebody else here. It can really blossom into something cool, but that was a huge piece of the conversation. Yeah. And I think those, um, those conversations are, are super important to have in kind of a, like a, a session zero setting, mm -hmm. right? Like we're all just sitting around talking about the game before we're actually going to even rolling characters or maybe after you've, uh, you know, started building up your characters, like kind of in the midst of that process, right? You want to set the expectations, um, you know, set up the, the boundaries for that as well. I think it is still important to like as the the dm or the gm or whatever you're you're still kind of running the show right so just setting mm -hmm. that clear expectation of like if you go too far or if you cross anyone else's lines like i'm going to pull the reins back on that because that's not collectively fun for everybody right like you may be yeah, doing something yeah. that you think is fun but it could be harmful to someone else so still mm -hmm. like having that um what's the word those i guess setting those boundaries and, and expectations yeah. right of letting letting people know that yeah we're gonna have fun we're gonna you know work together to figure out what this place is like but know that there are lines that are not going to be crossed either right mm -hmm. so yeah yeah knowing those can really help you work with your players to kind of create something that's really fun to be in mm -hmm. for sure so um i guess uh, tell me some of the uh you, you mentioned that you know you do a little bit of like hand holding in the beginning what were some of those maybe like the prompt questions that you would ask or some techniques that you would use to kind of string the players along and like let them come out of their shell so to speak to be more involved in the world building yeah so it it first started with naming random npcs because that was the mm -hmm. that was the bit where it i noticed it became fun um because putting them on the spot because at first it's shocking and they're like oh my god what no i don't <laughs> huh yeah it's i threw that on a player one time and they were like yeah i just i work at a bar in town i was like oh what's it called and they went uh jo <laughs> jo jo joe's crab shack and i was like all right we're in the middle of the plains we are not near an ocean so <laughs> that place exists yeah. now yeah um but yeah there there's like bits like that um another thing i like to do is that when they encounter a new place um every time i will ask the players to add something to it um, cause if they have this like vibe in mm -hmm. their mind, they'll inject that into the scene. Like if you're thinking of this kind of peaceful, quiet glade and one of your players adds a spooky thing, you're like, Ooh, that mm. that's a twist that I didn't expect. Right. And a lot of it is like prompts. So mm -hmm. whenever you would think I should describe this thing, or I would go into a narration or a monologue or whatever, mm. what have you, um, I'll usually half that half as much detail, half as much depth, and then just ask the players questions. Be like, okay, this is what you see. Now I want each of you to tell me one thing about this place. Or like maybe one secret. Um, another pretty popular one is like rumors. You mm. have your players generate rumors about their characters um, or the place you're going to. Some of them can be true. Some of them can be false. That's up to you as the DM to decide. But if they all believe their rumors are true, that makes the experience kind of more fun. Yeah. Um, I've heard of people doing that for characters. Um, I haven't had a campaign where we did it, but yeah, I, um, I, I haven't done that one either. I heard about that, uh, recently, I think in some, some Twitter thread somewhere, mm -hmm. uh, someone was like, yeah, I had the players write down three rumors about themselves. And then I disseminated those out to the rest of the party and like, Oh, here, here's the rumor that you know about this person. You don't know mm -hmm. if it's true or not, but this is what you've heard. Yeah, um, I think that's that's super, super fascinating and honestly, a really great way to um, influence world building in kind of a, a subtle way. Right. Not to say like, oh, this is this person's name or, you know, this is this location that I'm coming up with. It's like, here's what you have heard around town um, yeah. in in this setting that we're, we're starting off in. Here's what you might know. And that can lead to okay, well, who did I hear that rumor from? And mm -hmm. what was the circumstance where I heard this bit of conversation about this other person that I know that's, you know, my teammate now maybe, or, um, you know, if it's like the first or, you know, first session, like this person that I'm meeting for the very first time, but I've heard something else about them 
in elsewhere in this location that we're in right so mm-hmm. yeah and it gets their gears spinning just enough yeah. so they like they start imagining this place because everyone says that when you're writing a place like i guess for world building they tell you that you know make it feel lived in mm-hmm. and like those tiny micro details you'll you won't be able to make up on your i mean you can but it'll take you way too long considering the amount of time it takes to run through a dnd like a, a tabletop session Right. But like giving the players the ability to make that those little lived in details around their characters is, oh, it's so wonderful. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. And I I think that's one one aspect that's really important to uh, to point out just about uh, collaborative world building is that it, it adds that flavor and it also takes some burden off of you to create a lived in world. Mm -hmm. It's because it's a shared experience. Now, the. The world feels more lived in because there are these other details, these like kind of quirks about the place or the the people or the the vibe, as you said, um, mm-hmm. that we're all experiencing together. And like me as a player, I get to add this detail in, and now I feel like this is a little bit more real of a place uh, that we are imagining together, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so that's. Yeah. I love doing it that way because it's very like loose and that's for mm-hmm. like, that's more my style. Like, right. Um, but there, we were introduced um, about, oh, it was last summer, actually. Um, we were introduced to, uh, to a kind of st- much more structured way. Um, okay. You could call it a session zero kind of thing, but I don't think it would be that because we started doing mm-hmm. these world building episodes where I sit down with my players or a guest. Sometimes we'll just pull in someone who's not associated with the production at all. Um, so okay. they don't have any context. And we'll sit down with a goal in mind. It's like, okay, we're going to build a scary monster that just roams somewhere. And then okay. yeah. we sit down on the spot and then build the monster. And then that's, you know, that's how it ends. And we were introduced to this kind of method by, um, we had um, James D'Amato from the One Shot uh, network he came on our show to he was promoting okay. his ultimate like world builders guide which has like 40 little micro world building games we played one called five factions where we the, the the person running it just asks questions of the people who are doing the world building and okay. we spent an hour building five separate pirate factions and each <laughs> one had its nice. own goals and values and the way it operates um but that's another way to do it because there are tons of micro RPGs that like Microscope um, is a good one, <laughs> but like where you just, you know, sit down with some people and collaborate and play this little game with the sole intent of just building something or a timeline or, you know, a history of a place or the history of a character. I mean, there's games for that too, but um, there's a lot of structured ways to go about it. You just kind of have to do some legwork to find good games, which I haven't done much of yet. <laughs> <laughs> for sure yeah now i i would love to uh if you want to share the uh the like the name of the, the game that you were you were playing with them or whatever like uh, we'll get a get a link in the um the show notes below for folks who might be interested in uh doing stuff like that yeah, when, sure. when you were talking about this it reminded me of uh a game that i a campaign that i played in um i guess a little over a year ago now T- time is meaningless it was pandemic time so like who knows when so like three days Um, ago you know (laughs) yeah three days ago a year and a half somewhere in there um anyway the uh the the whole premise of the campaign that the the dm had come up with was that you know we were going to build a world together through our campaign more or less um so we started with a session zero where he he had some questions for us of like you know name a we're going to be playing on this continent. So let's name some biomes that are going to exist within this continent. Um, Let's within those biomes, let's find one specific place. uh, And what's that location like? Um, Let's figure out some of the, like the entities or kind of the godlike beings that are going to be watching over these different spots and having influence over this world. Um, And through, through, just kind of questions to the players as a whole we we built this setting that we were going to be playing in and then session one it's like okay well this is year one basically of this this world like as far as you know 
nothing really existed in this world before you guys got here today uh, more or less it's like wow. there's been a little bit of prehistory you were somewhere else now you're coming into this new world um you're all you know we we had kind of like created a uh a, a species or a race or you know kind of the beginning the foundation of a culture with them um but we didn't really have much right so we were going to be the proto uh species that inhabited this continent and um as we continued to adventure we were also like passing through time so we would do you know one adventure of like first to second level at kind of the year year zero on this world right and that set up a lot of the setting and the uh the what's going on in the continent and then after that we skipped forward you know five thousand ten thousand years or something like that into now we're in like a bronze bronze age setting basically and the choices that we made in the, the stone age world quote unquote have impact on the setting that we're in now and then oh, it kind of continues so building cool. like that yeah it was a really really awesome time um unfortunately our players or our party got tpk'd in like kind of the roman <laughs> roman era <laughs> uh late roman era so we didn't get to go all the way through the campaign um all the way up to level 20 but we got through like several ages uh, and they would each you know build on each other and the choices that we made in one era would ultimately impact the next era, right? So it was, uh, yeah, it was a lot of fun and was that really great for just cool. what we're talking about, like collaborative world building, right? Like <clears throat> we did the session zero, but then that world building that we did throughout really impacted each next uh, adventure at next age, next era of the, the world that we're in. So oh, it was it's like neat. you, you you start off because I mean it's a DM's dream to be able to run a world through a cycle like that with yeah you know over the course of one campaign. But going into a campaign with that mindset from the beginning is so cool because then you basically just have these little microcosm one shots and then you just figure out how that affects you know the future mm -hmm. ahead. Oh, that is so cool! It's a world yeah, literally really, sculpted really by the rad. player's actions. Yeah, oh. absolutely. It was. Uh... It was <laughs> kind of a shining example of all the things that we're, we're talking about uh, today. So it was, oh, it was a pretty that. neat experience. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so uh, cool. just a, a small, small idea. So you can, you can take that and, and, and run with it. I, I think the, uh, the, D, the DM was kind of working on like publishing something at some point that would um, provide like a guide for others to, to do similar things. I'm not sure if he ever got around to actually putting that out there. Um, I'll, I'll hit him up actually before this episode goes live, and if there's anything to share, there'll be some Ooh. links in the uh, in the show notes. That would be. Uh, and I'll, I'll send those your way as well, Mike. So yeah. Thank you. Yeah, no, that would yeah, be wonderful. Sure. Um, it's already got my wheels spinning yeah. about all the different ways. You know, I like I said, I've only mm -hmm. been world building a very particular way. <laughs> right. And that's revolutionary. Yeah, for sure. It was really neat because, you know, a lot of times like you play in like Forgotten Realms or I play in Eberron or, you know, other like published settings. And there's like this established history and you kind of have the the feeling a lot of times of like, oh, I need to go into the written lore and like figure out, um, you know, pieces from the past that are maybe coming into play now where the players are looking into that that lore that's already out there and exists that someone else came up with and this is a way of like no we we are going to create this history together and create the lore so that you know when you're you're playing your put your uh, adventurers in like this uh, you know pre-roman era you had already played the bronze age stuff and gone through all of that so you are very intimately familiar with the history mm -hmm. of the world as a player um, your your character, you know, may or may not know all of the things that you know, but you have that investment in the world because you've been part of it, you know, building along, which was really, really neat. And that, uh, that whole approach eliminates the whole, like, I want to roll a history check. DM, <laughs> right, tell me what yeah. I know about this place. But you as the player, you're like, mm -hmm. I know exactly that, like, it's like, oh, I did kind of okay, so I would know mm -hmm. this. And then they right. just start spouting information. There's no, like, mm -hmm. info dumps. It's just organic. It, which exactly. Is, oh, yeah. Uh, and I, I, I think, you know, because there was, um, you know, like a passage of time between each era as well, it sort of left some 
some gray area for both the the G, the DM and for us as players to fill in a lot of those details, right? Mm-hmm. Like we'll remember what happened during these couple of sessions of this particular era, but now we're, you know, a thousand years in the future from there and we're trying to, you know, something came up and we do a history check. Okay, well, let me use my knowledge of what happened in those sessions and kind of expound upon that of, you know, kind mm-hmm. of playing up what could have happened in the meantime. Um, and it allows the GM as well to say like, oh, well, you may, you know, maybe you think that, or here's some other details you can, uh, run with based on, you know, what you, you know, and what happened in that, that previous session. It also leaves like plenty of room for, um, the kind of idea is like, well, we know all this world lore that just Mm -hmm. happened. We're a thousand years in the future. That history is now our mythos. So right. like it could be wildly exaggerated if you wanted it to be. <laughs> Absolutely. And like, yeah, uh, <laughs> you, you uh. say that. So we actually had one of our players that tried to and, and, and somewhat successfully like created a legend for himself as his his character. Because <laughs> um, ultimately what happened was the uh, the God that we all worshipped would like sequester some of the players away if they wanted to like sleep until the next era when they would be needed as heroes mm-hmm. again. Right. So um he had this this cycle of like oh he would he would sleep but you know he would leave some groundwork for like building statues of himself and like having people (laughs) tell his stories and things like that so when he woke up um you know it's like okay well let's see you know how much of that lore that mythos that i try to create about myself and my own character survives to to this day here Mm -hmm. um just get this like twisted mythos about your like your own character (laughs) right yeah. We have a player in our um, our main show, the first show, um, mm-hmm. Tales of Asperon, named Tedward, who is basically that. Um, okay. The player came to me and he wanted that the implications of what he asked for on, on the world scare were wild. But I was like, this <laughs> okay. is too, this is too, like, absolutely unhinged to say no to. Mm. Um, but he, he wanted to, he wanted to be a farm boy that somehow got his hands on a book of wishes, but he was too stupid to be useful so he <laughs> okay. asked the book he asked the book to be he wanted to be a hero mm. so now his companion is a floating book that writes all of his his adventures as if they're pulp, pulp fiction nice and then it rewrites his memory of those events oh no <laughs> <laughs> so, so not only is his book like writing the story it's also like uh, affecting his own perception of reality yeah well. and and on, on occasion <laughs> On occasion, like the book will be doing something weird. And I'm like, all right, Phil, tell me, tell me what the book is doing to the world around us right now. And mm. then he gets full reins to just be wild. <laughs> nice. Nice. Yeah. I mean, if you have an item that can alter reality, let the players go to town <laughs> for sure. <laughs> it gets a little messy, but man, they have fun. <laughs> and, that's, that, and that's what I'm here that's- for. Yeah, absolutely. I was just going to say, like, that's really the key, right? Like, that's how you know you're winning D&D is that everyone's having a good Mm -hmm. time. For sure. Absolutely. Yeah, sorry, just checking notes real quick here. I feel like we were on a tangent and then I took us somewhere else. And uh, now I'm like, what, what were we talking about again? Oh, um, it's, it's it's tabletop. That happens. Yeah, that's that's the that's the way way it goes. That's how um, we get two hour oh, shopping episodes. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, always utmost professionalism here on 19 Hits the Dragon. Um, <laughs> yeah, so I, I guess, you know, our, if you are you know, setting up this world building, um, this collaborative world building with your your players, are there any particular like key questions that you like to ask going into a session zero? Um, or, or do you prefer to like have them kind of be more world building on the fly? Is it maybe a mix of both? Like, d- did you, in, I guess for, for Asperon, were, were you and the players like setting down to build this world together before you started playing? Or how, how did that kind of come about? So, Asperon first started as something that was just mine. Mm-hmm. Um, and what made me eventually realize that player led, you know, collaboration here is just better. Um, right. Was that over time, it was co- like I said, my players were still, you know, I don't want to step on your toes. And mm-hmm. they were, you know, oh, what does my character know about this? I'm going to roll a history check. And like, then it would be info dump. And I was like, it never felt like, it felt like they were just asking me to give them stuff 
mm. which I mean, it's part of the exchange, but it all it sometimes it felt a little kind of hollow, like especially if they were doing a mystery or something and they got stuck. Right. I can only info dump so far before they realize they're just not making a smart decision. <laughs> mm-hmm. So like that's kind of where it started was just I I had that conversation with them that, hey, I want to start giving you all more ownership, more reins over it. And a lot of the key questions there were like, okay, what is your character? Like, what is your character's long-term goal? Because a lot Mm. of people, like they'll build a character around a concept, but they don't necessarily, you know, they're not like, oh, it it could be, you know, oh, I want to get revenge on a person. Yeah, that's, that, Mm. that's very literal, but it could also be like, I would just want to be seen as a hero. And then, we build things in their past together. Like I asked them questions about their past, where they came from, who they knew, why they let, like why they're adventuring now, like the general backstory thing. Cause a lot of, a lot of DMS will think of like players making their own backstories. Like, Oh, they just write pages and pages of notes and then we play. Um, <laughs> right. But like we sit down together and have that conversation. And instead of just assuming it being, they hand me their backstory and then I figure out a way to weave it in. We take the time mm-hmm. to sit down, and have that conversation together and then weave that into the the tale that we're making together. Um, And as for world building questions, I like to ask them about, um, I like to have, I like for each player to contribute a place to the world Mm -hmm. that is not something I made up at all. Um, An example of that in our show, The Gilded Lily would be that um, they're all wizards. They have all going to college and they've all dropped out. Um, for very right. realistic reasons. Um, <laughs> like one of them gambled away all of his tuition money. Mm. Um, another so. one found out that he was in a fake school. that was actually <laughs> a pyramid scheme. So <laughs> I got to sit down with him and make it. It's a literal pyramid scheme. It's called the yeah. school of the restorative arts. It's necromancy. Mm. Um, <laughs> but nice. uh, we basically, he wanted this thing to exist and I didn't have anything like that at all. And I was like, this is wonderful. And then mm-hmm. we sat down and built that place together and every player kind of got to invent their own little place that they either are familiar with or is like a landing place where they're comfortable, like mm-hmm. whatever they think would benefit their character the most in the way they want to play them. We got to make a place together and then that's just a thing in the world that they can go to whenever they want without having to ask me where they would go. Excellent. I like how that kind of feeds into the narrative as well, because, um, you know, oftentimes as a GM, you know, you're, you're getting characters backstories and they're just kind of like handing you pages, like you said, and you're like, oh, well, how do I fit this into my mm-hmm. campaign? It's not just how do I fit this into the setting? It's how do I fit this into the story that I'm telling as well? Mm-hmm. And it seems like with what, you know, what you're describing, it kind of allows for uh, a collaborative space for for both like we're building this world together but we're also telling us telling the story together and Mm -hmm. seeing the through line of you know well my character is here how did they get to this place and what are they looking to do for moving forward from here and that lets you sort of you know weave those threads together as a gm rather than okay, how am I going to shoehorn these characters into the campaign that I'm mm-hmm. trying to to play? How do I convince them that they need to stop Tiamat from getting brought into the world or, you know, whatever <laughs> thing that, yeah. that you're trying to make happen as the, as a GM. Um, and, and doing it this way too, like avoids a certain amount of friction where it's like, yeah. Oh, my player wants to have, I have this whole thing planned and my player wants to have someone who works for a bad cult that doesn't exist. Mm. Well, make it yeah. <laughs> like sit down, have a 10 minute conversation and you can just kind of wet, like wedge it in there together. And then you're both on the same page and your life gets so much easier because <laughs> you have sure. other people, you have other people to rely on when you, when improv needs to happen. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think honestly, just as, as a GM, like the more, uh, that I can offload the mental effort onto the players, mm-hmm. <laughs> the better my life is going to be as a game yeah. master. Because uh, I'm not stressing out about having to, you know, keep all of these wheels spinning. I'm like, okay, well, m- m- I don't have the brain power for this right now. So you tell me, you use your brain power. We'll we'll offload mm-hmm. this to your your cloud server over there, and you, you give me give me these <laughs> ideas that are going to flesh this out or make this more realistic or make this a better experience, better story for you. Mm -hmm. 
yeah, always look, looking for ways to make my players do the work. Um, yeah, for I sure. just I tend to do way too many check ins, and most mm. of them are just questions. I keep asking mm. them questions, and then they keep answering, and then I just write it down, <laughs> and then yeah. like yes, end them sometimes when they're like, oh, I don't know what to do here, and I'd be like, you could do this, and they're like, oh, that's amazing, and then you're like stacking bricks, like I put a brick down, you put a brick down, and then I do one, and, and then you have a tower that wouldn't have existed before. Mm. <laughs> Sometimes yeah, literally. Uh, yeah, some, sometimes literally. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, yeah, that that uh, brings up a, a great question, I guess. Like, what would you say? I know you've given a few examples about mm -hmm. how this worked out in, in y'all's show, but what's, what's maybe like your, your favorite or one story that you really love to tell about how this had um, these principles have created some really excellent moments or really excellent locations or, you know, world building um, uh experiences for for you and, and your games um there's a couple um one particular one that always gets me because it's so like small like mm -hmm. we were our players were traveling through this section of the city called new bismuth it's basically two cities on top of each other um one okay. is on top of a, a, a cliffside facing the sea and the undercity is beneath it in the bay of an open cliff like an open ca cavern and they're okay. weaving their way through the Undercity. And I just, in the midst of playing, I um, spoke to Sun, who plays O'Reilly, the uh, the nerdy little wizard who is accidentally a necromancer. Um, <laughs> he, they were, I was like, you're about to turn down a street. Riley, I need you to tell me right now why you recognize this street and mm. what you do to avoid going down it. Because I wanted him to panic. Like, that was the vibe I wanted. I didn't know why. <laughs> right. And mm -hmm. he he immediately just responded with, oh, this is the street where my school was before it was raided by the cops. And, <laughs> and I was like, all right, cool. Now okay. we know where the school yeah. is. Yeah. And, then, uh, and then he turned and I was like, he's like, I think I'm going to take it. He's like, I want to take a detour that is like, there was a guy. Every day when I would go to school, I would come down the lift and I would take the long way because this particular street scared me for some reason. But I would always stop at this dude's cart and he sold me hot dogs. And I was like, all right, there's a hot dog. All right, there's a hot dog yeah. cart guy now. And we had a five minute scene of them buying hot dogs from the guy that I had to play that he made up on the spot. And yeah. it, they ended up making a friend and it's an ally who's giving them information later. But like that, that weird little moment wouldn't have happened if I had just planned something for them. Mm hmm. And it was like he was engaging with the guy, giving genuine conversation that showed that they had talked to each other before. And it was just like this on the spot moment that like stands out to me because like D&D is all about these, you know, they have these big epic adventures. And these, right. but to me, it's those little teeny tiny spots like Doug, the hot dog guy. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and another <laughs> one guy. <laughs> um, and another one was I had done prep for a whole session where this character, spoiler alert, if anyone from our show is listening, um, this character, Tedward, um, he got knocked unconscious and I had planned for him to meet the being that was governing the book. That was okay. writing what was essentially his like hero memoir. Mm -hmm. um, and I entered the scene. I had this whole note thing about where it was this like amorphous being that was like a demigod of stories called the orator and it was trying to craft him into the perfect story and when i walked in i was like well what would it look like and i was like phil tell me what the perfect version of tedward is and he started describing this absolutely feral awesome adventurer who had been through tons of tons of adventures <laughs> and as he went through it i was like man it would be wild if this wasn't the orator and it was him from the future writing his own memoir. Mm. And then all my notes got thrown out the window in that <laughs> exact moment. And we gotta love when that happens. And we role played that scene as that. And mm. I wouldn't have like I it ended up being great because now his character motivation is I need to see he's too stupid to understand what's happening. So his mm -hmm. character motivation is I need to save the tiny man trapped inside my head. <laughs> and like again that's, it's, <laughs> oh that's perfect yeah he, he calls him instead word instead <laughs> but like, oh, that little again that little moment would not have happened if i didn't ask him to start making stuff up on the spot 
for mm-hmm. like for the both the benefit of both of us um and it just like it creates magic <laughs> yeah absolutely um i uh i've talked about this b- before but i often i give i in session zeros i'll tell my my players that you know we're going to use this kind of like house rule for you know these exact things is the mm-hmm. uh the i know a guy rule oh, um, yes yes which is Fantastic. Uh, and, and has created a lot of really great NPCs, but it's, you know, it's something that the players can use when they maybe need a bit of information. They need mm-hmm. some sort of resource. Uh, they want to get access to like maybe a particular type of uh, a shop or, you know, whatever that might be. Um, they can say, hey, Mike, uh, I, I know a guy who can help us out with this. And it doesn't have to be, you know, guy, like obviously guy is kind of a gender term, it's but just, it's just the, a phrase. Yeah. the idea is like, you know, this individual who can help out with that. Right. Um, and it's created some, some really fun stuff. And we actually, we were uh, in, in our Everon game, we were uh, playing in Sharn. And I've talked about this before. I had kind of conscripted the party to, uh, to do some nefarious things that they did not want to do um, because mm-hmm. one of the players had a, like a, a background or a ties to the criminal organization inside of Sharn. Um, and now they were there trying to do other things, but got roped back into the life of crime. Um, and we're trying to like resolve things amicably or in a way that, you know, let the barbarian out of the debt of this criminal organization. Um, so that was kind conflict. of the story that was going on. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, that was kind of what we we had going on. And in the midst of all of this, like they're, they're setting up like, a, um, uh, they're trying to like set up a, a match to, um, like a, a fighting uh, pit match where the barbarian is going to like intentionally lose the match. Um, and it's going to make the criminal organization a lot of money, but they're, you know, it's called all kind of plans within plans within plans. So that's sort of the scenario in the midst of like setting things up. The barbarian turns to me, he's like, Hey Mike, I, I know a guy that is a bookie and he's one of those bookies that you can go to, to like bet on yourself and he'll make the paperwork kind of move around and do you know whatever it needs to to allow for essentially for me to put money on my own bet which is something that even within mm-hmm. like an illegal ring you're in a legal fighting arena is going to be highly against the rules um so i'm like okay yeah tell me tell me about this this uh, this bookie like what are they like what's their personality and like basically just named him like shark like <laughs> uh, it was just like a, a kind of a you know dumb like throwaway name mm-hmm. but that that bit that he he gave me was enough to like spur on this really interesting dynamic of like oh he's you know the players the character is betting on herself now we have all this money on the line they know that they need to throw the fight are they actually going to to do it or like what, what's going to happen? Right. So created a lot of really interesting dynamics just by letting them, you know, come up with this one individual who's part of this organization that they're already dealing with. Yeah. So it was a, it was a lot of fun. And and by them making that, that one, they're like, and it's very funny because it seems like it's a player motivated goal. Like the goal is mm-hmm. I want to make money fast. Yeah. Yes. And they, they have given you, they're like, they've given you a character. Now you have a character who's willing to bend and fake all the paperwork to get the money. But that also means that someone can pressure them <laughs> into telling them what happened. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. So it's like they, they've also, they, they've given you an NPC, but they've also given you like a nice thread of conflict to just yank on whenever you want to. And I yep, love absolutely. Oh. <laughs> no, That's for like sure. I've definitely gift. like, yeah. I I've been uh, very much been like planning or preparing for their return to Sharn because they've been far away from it, and basically they had a, a really bad experience with this criminal organization, and they're like, let's go away and never come back to Sharn. <laughs> Just leave forever. But I I've been busy kind of like sewing threads to so like, okay, we're going to pull them back to Sharn eventually, and have some complications that have arise mm-hmm. because of this you know, this previous uh, encounter that they had. Um, and now that they have, you know, bent the rules to bet on themselves, like that's an additional complication that I can take to, you know, pull on some other threads and make mm-hmm. them do, you know, make make things happen that maybe they're not going to be very happy with. <laughs> and that's very cool. And it's like just the, the consequences of the player making something for you is, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It spirals so quickly and I love it because mm-hmm. like 
on paper, you would be like, well, I, it's a crime organization. They wouldn't have a guy who would allow you to do that. But what if right. they did? But what if they did? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Huh. <laughs> yeah. And no, like I you said, that. like letting the players, you know, build up these things, not only uh, as we've talked about, lets the, the world feel more lived in, gives them some agency. It creates uh, complications and points of tension that you can can use against them now to like make mm-hmm. the story more interesting. Uh, maybe not against them, maybe alongside them, right? Like you're you're able to weave those threads based on what they've given you. And oh well, they thought they were just having fun, like coming up with uh, with a book that tells their you know tells their story, but now they're actually uh, altering the world around them to tell the perfect story and create the perfect hero. Yeah. yeah. The the I know a guy rule reminds me of, and I think I didn't realize it at first, but I think this is probably the first moment that I realized that player led world building is absolutely cool. Um, I was watching a piece of, do you remember the stream of many eyes? The wizards Uh, did. Okay. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. They, they yeah, had... that was. I think when they they announced uh, like Waterdeep Dragon Heist. Yeah, and, yeah, uh, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. So they had a one shot um, that they were streaming that was a heist, and the thing that they did that I thought was absolutely cool was they gave each player one opportunity. It's almost like an I know a guy, mm-hmm. but it's more like a I knew about this obstacle because the the whole thing is they're planning a heist. And what makes Mm -hmm. heist movies cool is the flashback to see them prepare Mm -hmm. for the thing, the the problem. So at any point, each player could overcome one obstacle. But the cost of that was that you had to flash back to the scene of them preparing for it and knowing it. So like Mm -hmm. one of them was like, I found they pluck a feather off their hat and they're like, aha, I have gotten this feather from a dealer. Who um who told me about this particular well that would mm. drop hundreds of feet and kill you if you tried to break into this vault? And then they flash back to the scene uh. and RP a whole conversation, and then they flash back and they all feather fall down the thing. But like allowing players <laughs> to work, oh yeah, allowing players to world build at the cost of improv on the spot is very mm. cool. <laughs> Yeah. And, and again, that kind of idea of not just building the world and the setting, but like the, the narrative alongside yeah. you as well. Um, that I mean, that's very much uh, anyone who's played uh, Blades in the Dark game will immediately pick up on that kind of concept as well, because that's so, sort of how like a core mechanic within the game is like, oh, yeah, let's let me you spend my token or whatever. I can't remember how it works exactly, but you spend some sort of resource to have a flashback. And we were preparing for this, uh, this heist that we're on right now. And here's a, a scene that helps set up, you know, me being able to overcome this thing. And then, you oh. know, obviously rolling dice and, and so forth and determining the outcome from there. But, um, I've heard yeah, many I, things I about blaze in the dark, but, oh. That yeah. just sold me <laughs> <laughs> for sure. Yeah, it's, it seems like I, I, I unfortunately have not had the chance to, to play it. I've watched a number of like other actual plays and, and so forth seems kick ass. And that's one mechanic that I I really love is that like, oh, hey, I was prepared for this. Let me talk mm-hmm. about how we did that. <laughs> I um, might adopt that because I constantly forget that inspiration is a thing that exists in D&D 5e. And now I might oh, have yeah. a use for it. <laughs> yeah, ab- absolutely. Um, I think, uh, you know, we talked about a couple episodes back uh, with with the the real thing in our first episode of the season, actually. Um, first one that launched, that is, is to, you know, s- steal things from other games and put them in your game. So if you find a mechanic mm-hmm. that works somewhere, <laughs> rip that out of what whatever other game you were and put it into the, the game that you're playing. Yep. It's your game. You can do whatever you want with it. Um, so, yeah, I think if, uh, if th- that... Uh, idea that mechanic of flashbacks you know kind of makes the brain go burr then and and works for <laughs> your games then uh yeah you use use it, it you know you, you're playing D, but like yeah whatever like it's your game you can do whatever mechanics you yeah. want so take and that's that's why i do i i say i always start our show with we're a fifth edition or we're a, a collaborative storytelling podcast they kind of use this fifth edition because most of the time kinda. we end up throwing throwing all of the structure out the window in favor of mm-hmm. stuff like that. That's just yeah. fun. Yeah. Ugh. 
And that's, so that's fun. again, we kind of get back to, like, that's what makes tabletop role-playing games great, is that we're all just here to, to have fun together, mm-hmm. right? And if we're having fun, then we're playing the game right. doesn't matter, you know, what rule systems we're borrowing, or if we're just kind of ignoring the rules that are set up in the game entirely. As long as the, the game is fun and the story is fun, uh, then, yeah, do that thing. Just reminding me of a thing I like to do is I'll I'll let my players I'll world build a monster with my players and then throw it at mm. them later. <laughs> <laughs> so they Lovely. get to fight. They're like, and I've had one where they're like, "Oh my god, this would be so cool!" And they made like this giant worm that lives underground and like creates mm. magma vents and can scorch people into like obsidian. And it was this Ooh. absolutely scary monster. And I was like, "Thanks, guys. Can't wait till this yep. comes up in the session." And then I <laughs> muted my mic, and they just. <laughs> They're like, what? <laughs> what? <laughs> no. Yeah. <sighs> Gotta love when you can turn uh, players' inventions on themselves. Yes. And then they love <laughs> like, it. Oh, then... I came up with this really cool monster. Guess what? You're going to be fighting it now. Yeah. So. And it's like that, <laughs> Sorry vis- about you. that visceral <laughs> satisfaction of like, you build this cool thing out of Legos, and now yeah. I get to drop it on the floor with no repercussions. <laughs> oh, geez. Yeah. Good times. Good times. Oh. Great. Well, uh, yeah, Mike, we've talked about a lot of really awesome options for involving um, players in world building and like why it's important, how it affects the game. Uh, any, any, uh, anything that we or that you feel like we haven't touched on that you would r- really want to convey to our listeners about this? No, I think we're in a good spot. Um, again, just to reiterate, um, always involve your players, know their mm-hmm. limits, know their boundaries, because that's a huge, huge thing. Um, Because if everyone is prepared with, you know, where the the edge of that cliff is, you don't accidentally push a friend off of it and like ruin a friendship because, you know, tabletop games, you get everyone gets invested. It's it's a highly emotional medium. So like, yeah, be smart, be safe with it and have fun. (laughs) Excellent. Uh, Yeah, some some uh, really great words of wisdom there. So thank you. Thanks. Yeah, for sure. Thank you. yeah, I guess any uh, any other like parting words of wisdom or kind of summation of what we've talked about uh, today? Uh, not that comes to mind. You know, let let everybody be involved. It's so much yeah. more fun. <laughs> and then Great. you don't have to throw out world lore that ended up not being useful. <laughs> Sometimes you do still, but oh yeah, uh... it's, if I, in my record, it's happened much less. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there you go. Awesome. Well, again, Mike, thanks for for coming on. Um, I definitely want to give you a, a second to uh, to you know talk about your, your your shows and how people can can find you. So I'll I'll shut up and and please feel free to to let my listeners know how they can uh, can find you and and uh, follow you. Sure. Well, first, thank you so much for having me. This has been a blast. Um, I never know how these kind of interviews are going to go because I'm still relatively new to it. But this is this was a, so much fun. <laughs> um. I'm Mike Ashmore, the DM and producer of Tales of Asperon. Um, You can find us on our website at toapodcast.com or on Twitter at Tales of Asperon. That's A-S-P-E-R-R-A-N. Some people call it aspirin and it's kind of funny, (laughs) like the medicine. Um, Mm. But yes, if you like small town adventure, like roadside stories or wizard pirate dropouts who become pirates (laughs) in a coast filled with dinosaurs. Check us out. We have two campaigns on one feed. Um, They occur in the same setting in the same canon. Um, So check us out. We also have a lot of really cool world building content. Um, We organize all of our episode albums by art. So if you see anything that has the gold TOA logo, you know that that is a one shot or world building. So you can just kind of listen in without needing any extra context. But thank you again, Mike, so much for having me. This has been a blast. Yeah, absolutely. I was uh, very excited to uh, to get to chat with you here and uh, glad that we uh, we had a, had a good time. You're enjoying yourself as well. And um, some really great uh, advice for, for our listeners and, and for myself as well. I'm definitely going <laughs> to steal all of your ideas now and, and go use them in my home games. I think we're, um, we're, so. we're, we're handing each other ideas because I've definitely, yeah, le- yeah. I'm leaving this conversation with a lot of cool stuff. And okay, I'm very excited. To well, try I'm, I'm glad there was uh, some 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 nice uh, equivalent exchange yeah. there. So, um, 
cool. But uh, yeah, uh, again, thank you for for coming on the show. Um, sure. To all of our listeners, thank you so much for for hanging out and uh, listening in on our conversation today. Hopefully, some of what we've uh, talked about has been useful for your games as well. If it has been, please do uh, drop a, a comment, rating, review, you know, whatever you can, wherever you get your podcast. Feel free to give uh, Mike a, a shout out here on on his uh, Twitter. Let him know if you used uh, any of his ideas. Um, and uh, yeah, the way that you can always help the show out the most, though, is to go out and tell 19 of your closest friends. Oh, uh, oh that's so. good. That is so good. Thank you. Thank you. Um, but yeah, uh, listeners and, and Mike, uh, again, thank you all so much. Uh, everyone, please take care of yourselves, take care of each other. And uh, we'll see you all next time on 19 Hits the Dragon. Bye-bye. <laughs>